What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Why are you in Wilmington, North Carolina? Because I believe in your son. I believe he's different. And I believe you might be the only person on earth who knows it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Hollywood Gold. I'm your host, Daniela Taplin Lundberg, and I'm here with Bex. Becca Camara. <laughs> <laughs> the full name. I feel like I'm in trouble. <laughs> I know. Bex, why don't you tell us? what we're about to dive into because Jordan is a great friend of yours. Yes, which I'm, I'm very, very excited about this episode. And I do, before we forget, I also want to give a shout out to Dan Crown, who uh, part of the, uh, during the hiatus, you know, went to a, a very beautiful wedding for his daughter. Oh yeah. Our bestie Dan Crown, the best friend and co-producer we've ever worked with. Wonderful, wonderful human being. So I'm very excited about this episode I have known Jordan Moldo for years, who is one of the producers on this. I've heard a little bit about it from him. I know he knew the writer for years and he had read the script really early on and kind of championed it when he first started at this company, Mandalay. So I'm, I'm excited to hear about it because it feels like, I feel like a lot of these times on the podcast, they're producers that you have known for years yes, and that, and that you have either worked with or worked alongside, or you've kind of like come up in the business with them. And so this is the first time that, that I'm seeing the same thing with someone that I came up in the business with. And I'm just so happy for his journey on this and, and very, uh, yeah, just, just thrilled for, for the success and very excited to hear the entire journey of this movie. So we're going to hear the journey from Jordan Muldo and Jason Michael Berman's perspective. They both work at Mandalay, which is one of the production companies, Peter Goober's company. And uh, we're going to hear this magical Cinderella story. I mean, it really, it's rare to see a movie like spring from a writer's mind and then get made so quickly. So uh, let's get going. Let's go. Guys, thank you so much for doing this. You're thank welcome. Thank you for having us. Of course. Jordan, why don't you, why don't you start? Yeah, so I remember so much of this like very vividly because a lot of it took place on this couch. And I remember these dates because I literally uh, 
like have the receipt. It was September 17th, 2021. Not that long ago. No, not long ago at all. It's, it's, it's insane. And I got a text from the writer, Alice Convery, who I had known. We had met years ago when I was at Braun Studios as an executive. I'd read his spec bag man and we just became really fast friends and had kept up through the years and had always said, Oh, let's find stuff to work on together. And uh, he said, Hey, I'm, I'm headed to a bachelor party, but uh, my rep, his agent is one of my oldest friends from LA. He also happened to be my brother's pledge master in college. So we go way back. He goes, he's going to send you my new spec. And I go, awesome. So he called me at like eight 30 at night and says, I have this script for you. Convery wants you to be the first ones to get it. We're going to go out to the town next week. But when you read it, we're going to tell you, you're going to see why we're going to you first. And I, I said, okay, what, what's it about? He goes, I'm not telling you, just, just read the log line and, you know, let us know what you think. And I see it's in my inbox and I see the, the title is Air Jordan. Cool. And I read the log line and I, I immediately stop everything and I read it right then and there. And I fly through it. And Alex has this, there's like a swagger, there's a sexiness to his writing. And I finish it in like 45 minutes to an hour. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, you know, not only is it great writing, but, you know, Jason and mine's boss, Peter Goober, had just done The Last Dance and comes from a sports background. And if there was anybody who could try to figure this out, it has to be us. So I immediately send it to Jason and I go, we're idiots if we don't go after this. And I text Alex and I say, holy shit, this is the best thing you've ever written. We need to have lunch next week. So while I send it to Jason and Jason soon sends it to Peter and we get those gears in motion, cool. I have lunch with Alex the top of next week. And I'm already like pining to figure out how do we get this. Now, Jordan, had they sent it out to the town? Not yet. They were holding out until like Wednesday or something. But they then started to, and Peter, our boss, also, you know, when he got it, thought we need to get this to the hands of who ended up producing it alongside us, John Weinbach, who runs Skydance Sports. And at the time, Peter, nor Jason, nor I knew that John was working at Skydance Sports. We thought he was- Peter knew that Peter had worked with John on The Last Dance. So- okay. Peter knew that John knew um, Michael Jordan and his team. Oh. Peter called John up and said, hey, Jason and Jordan just sent me this script about, uh, you know, that he had been Peter read it about, about the signing of Michael Jordan. Of course, the first person he's thinking I should call is, is John Weinbach, who was, you know, heavily involved with The Last Dance. And so John had then said to Peter, um, I actually did the 30 for 30 about Sonny Vaccaro. Okay. Okay. And so we all sort of came together and John and, you know, John always talks about it as, holy crap, I just started this job. You guys send me this script. This Sonny is, you know, Sonny and Pam are very good friends of John's now because they've just been so ingrained in his life for so long. And he goes, this just feels like, you know, just as we found this script and are bringing it to him, it feels like Kismet. It feels like this right sort of passage for him to somehow bring this to life as well. So we all figured out what's the best way for all of us to link arms and do this together. 
Okay. So guys, just back up for a second to explain to our loyal listeners. Skydance Sports was like an entity of Skydance that was meant to finance sports related content. Content. Like, okay. And it literally yeah. and it also literally had just started. Like within literally like Crazy. three weeks of this whole thing. And it was Skydance Sports was initially set up to do series, mm. documentaries, and docu-series. Okay. And this was a feature script. So it wasn't even anticipating features. It, no, it was not, not even anticipating features. And in fact, like, you know, there had been conversations, would this make sense for a series? Yeah. A, a limited series. Okay. Okay. Um, but I think that, you know, we had, we talked a lot with Skydance and we were like, well, let's, when we start sharing this with filmmakers after we get the rights, if we, you know, if we do get the rights, let's leave it to the filmmaker and how they see it and worth versus if they see and, it as a series or a, or a film. And sort of the conversation was, you know, let's all do this together. And hopefully, you know, if we can get the right team, like maybe there's a version of Skydance doing this, financing this whole thing. Okay, so guys, just to like, again, like set the table, Alex, the writer, had just written this on spec. Like he didn't have any relationship with Jordan. Like To be completely honest, Alex never thought anything would ever come of this. He always talks about that. And so funny fact, he was assisting Jamie Patrickoff, who was also a producer on the 30 for 30 for Sonny Vaccaro while they were in production on that. Oh my so gosh. This has been a story Alex had been interested in for years and very close to his heart. He's been a Chicago Bulls fan. He's from Chicago and just always wanted to find the roots of it. So he didn't care. If, and not, of course he would love to have seen, he's so glad that something actually came of it, but I don't think he wrote it necessarily thinking it was ever going to get made. And so when you guys linked up with Jonathan, what was the big strategy? You were like, all right, we're going to make a film out of this. Like, talk me through like getting Jordan support, getting Sonny involved. Like, talk me through like sort of the larger path forward. Well, first we had to get, we had to get Alex. So, and we had to get Alex, to, you know, so to- you had to get him to choose you guys. Okay. Yeah. Cause he was, yeah. there, there were, he was meeting with, I think there were like three or four. There were, people that had made there were offers. seven offers. There were seven <gasps> offers total. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So how did you guys win the day? Because I think a it was the, it was the passion of the team. And also it was the fact that there was this direct connection to Sonny. Okay. And it was really like, I mean, you had Skydance, you had Mandalay, you had the producers behind um, The Last Dance. So there was just a lot there that like obviously, you know, made sense. But there were a lot of other really great producers that were in the mix too on the material. So it wasn't it wasn't like we, you know, it was a, it was a few week process. Okay. And then we had to go through the whole negotiating process to actually like be able to close a deal that, you know, that his team was comfortable with. Ultimately, you guys beat out a number of reputable producers. You kind of have the passion. Did you pitch him like how you guys would go about this? Like what was the plan? Mandalay has been around for close to 30 years. Peter ran, you know, Sony Pictures. He produced, you know, Batman and Rain Man, Color Purple. The original, the Michael Keaton. And that Peter Goober is like one of the all-time great producers, right? Just convincers yes and also obviously peter owns the golden state warriors the, Dodgers, the los angeles football club so it's like there's a lot of sports touch points and so you know like i think that you know that definitely convinced you know alex and of course there were other high profile people that were in the mix too but 
I mean, we definitely, I think, out-edged everybody because it was Skydance and Mandalay partnering together. Yeah, okay. Because that's how we ultimately approached it was, okay, these two companies are um, are partnering together. And then, of course, there was the direct in to Sunny and getting Alex in the room with Sunny. So you closed the deal. Sunny's a part of it. You optioned his life rights. Like what, what was that relationship? Was it just That like- took a long time too. There were multiple. So this all happened between the months of, like Jordan said, starting in mid-September and went all the way until literally Christmas break, where we had to deal with Alex's the script rights and Sonny's life rights. Okay. So you got those two things in place. Then what? So we always sort of said, like, listen, we obviously would have loved Jordan's involvement sooner rather than later. But at the end of the day, this was Sonny's story and we wanted to honor that. So we thought, let's proceed when it's best to bring in Jordan, we will. But, you know, we actually were going to have Alex do a rewrite. And um, and address just a few small notes before going to filmmakers. But we actually thought, you know, right before the Christmas break in 2021, we all sort of came together and said, you know, the work that we're going to have Alex do isn't incredibly extensive. Wouldn't it make more sense to try to find a filmmaker that would want to do this potentially with us? And get the ball moving much quicker. There was this ongoing conversation too about this limited series versus this feature. It then resorted to the fact of like, well, if we're gonna if we're gonna give this decision to a filmmaker who we respect, let's not actually let's hold off because we don't know if we're gonna be evolving this as a series, right, or as a movie. Okay. We were like, we know we have something really special on our hands. Let's aim really high. And we only went to five filmmakers. Obviously, one of those was our filmmaker, Ben Affleck. Yes. And, you know, it, it was a combination of, yes, going through his agents, of course, and doing that whole song and dance and getting WME on board. But simultaneously, when, again, when I was at Broad, I had been developing projects with him and Matt simultaneously. And one of my best friends is Ben's former uh, producing executive uh, by the name of Madison Ainley, who's one of our producers on air as well. Okay. So I had slipped the script to Madison and said, Mads, I have the one. And he goes, this is crazy because Ben wants to make a movie next year. Mm. He had just told me to find something for him. I said, Amazing. You know, we sent the script to to him and and his agents right before the holiday. We sent it to the other filmmakers as well. And it was genuinely the first week back from Christmas that Madison said to to us, I have to read it one more time, but I seriously think he's going to love this. Okay. We always talk about how the script has the touch tones of Argo. Of yeah, like even though you know they and that plane is gonna take off, totally. the tension that he is able to bring, and also that goes to Billy Billy Goldenberg, who was also our editor and is just a freaking genius. Like we we always thought like he could really get this, and it was like that second week of January that 
we got a call back from WME and from Madison saying, Ben wants to meet with you guys on this. He is really, really excited about this. Jackpot. And so we all convened at Peter Gruber's house at the end of January. And Ben sat at the table and said, I want to direct this. I already gave it to Matt. Alex was sitting right next to Ben. And he goes, you know, we love what you did. We want to come in and do a little bit of work ourselves with you on it and like put our little stamp on it as well. Yeah, they're pretty good writers. But we want to literally said in that room, we want to shoot this this summer in L.A. The board's never going to do that. It has never happened before. You'd be putting yourself in a real bad spot. They they could call for your removal. This guy is who you think he's going to be. Be the best thing that ever happened to this company, and it'll be worth every penny. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So Ben comes on. He's like, I'm going to direct this. I'm going to star. I'm going to bring Matt on to star with me. He's going to be Sonny. Those were like the core pieces that you had, right? They were going to do a rewrite. And he also talked about artist equity and how they yes. were going to be launching. Talk to me about that. Like it's, it's one of like my, was, yeah, I'm a, like, I'm hugely interested in what is artist equity. I don't even understand it. Go. Anyways, I think for them, it was, they've, uh, I think they've seen the studios that have been built by other really talented artists and they wanted to build a studio and they wanted to build a studio that really kind of, you know, backed the below the line and other people that are involved in making sure that they're, you know, fairly compensated for the work that they're doing. And as you can tell, like with the messaging of what artist equity is, which by the way, is a great name for a company. And I'll never forget thinking like when he brought that up in that meeting, I was like, oh, that's a really great name for a company. Um, But it also has to do with the thematic element of what this movie is about. And so the fact that, you know, Ben and Matt chose, you know, Air to kind of be the flagship movie for their company, given, you know, what the movie's about and understanding one's value as an artist, athlete, performer, and participating in the upside, 
is, you know, is, is, is critical to the lifeblood of the arts. And so it definitely also made sense. You know, that's the thing with projects like this. It's also about the artist has a dream. They're trying to create something. They're trying to launch a company. And here's a screenplay that lands on their desk that speaks thematically. Totally. It's incredibly meta on so many levels. And then, because right, that's the difference between a project that goes into development with a high level piece of talent for years versus something that goes into development for literally three months and then ends up in pre-production. And, and if you yeah. like, if you guys remember, like when we were shooting the movie, that was when they did their initial announcement about Redbird Capital coming on board and backing artist equity. What did that mean in terms of financing the film? Like how did it all break down? So artist equity was going to come on as a production company. Okay. So now you have artist equity, Skydance, Mandalay. You were the three producers of the film. They were the three production companies on the movie. Okay. And then the companies were going to take out the project to a very limited number of buyers Okay. to finance the movie at the cost in which the team deemed the value of the movie. Did it mean that anyone, because Artist Equity talks a lot about upside. Did everyone take their actual quotes for the film or did they sort of lower their quotes so that the budget of the film was more reasonable? Like, was it just like everyone's getting paid what they're normally going to get paid, but they're somehow going to participate on the back? I think what we can say in regards to this is that when you're selling the movie to a streamer and you're doing something like this where the movie's fully packaged with its team, and also there's a budget in place in which there was, and everybody knows kind of their value holistically. You're kind of taking a movie out to the marketplace with a number that's reflective of a total buyout, right? Because the movie was only supposed to be streaming with a limited theatrical release. And so the team, which included making sure that everybody got compensated fairly, the below the line yep. as well. That that package number that the movie was going to be sold for, which, you know, you can refer to some of the trades reports that are out there. That was the number that the team as a whole was looking for to compensate everybody involved. I see. And Amazon loved the project and was willing to make that work. So the actual price for which Amazon bought the film compensated sort of everyone fairly. That's right. Correct. Across the board, because not just above the line, but the below. So right away, you guys are like, we've sold this for an extraordinary amount. We're sort of participating in upside. Everyone involved is participating in upside. And we haven't even hit day one yet of production. Correct. Amazing. And literally the, that happened in March. And the movie literally went into pre-production in April and went into production in June and wrapped in July and we saw the first cut of the movie, which is basically the cut that got released in early September. Well, it's so funny. I heard, first of all, I, you know, Bateman interviewed Ben on Smartless. On Smartless, yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, Bateman was like, this was the most easy, warm, there was no stress, no fuss, no muss. And it all just worked. <laughs> Like best actors in Hollywood, everyone showed up. And the best crew. Yeah. We had the best crew. We also, I think Ben and Matt were trying to get us fat on set. They would like literally bring in like six different food trucks every day. Oh my God. It was, it was ridiculous. We have to back up a little bit because we still haven't talked about the Jordan of it all and how he, because I I realized that we skipped out on that. So after we met with Ben, before 
once his deals were getting done and before we, you know, had the meetings with buyers, Ben took it upon himself to go meet with Michael. And he reached out to him, flew down there by himself. No Matt, just flew by himself to Florida. Michael was like, sure, come meet me. Come talk to me. And basically, Ben said to all of us, like, guys, I can't do this movie, even though it's not about him. I will not feel comfortable making this movie unless I know that he's okay with it. And Michael did know there was some a movie coming, actually, about Sonny. He had heard about it, but didn't know Ben was involved or whatever. Um, so in their conversation, you know, which went incredibly well, Michael was like, yeah, of course, like, you know, go for it. He's like, I think he said something akin to I love Sonny. And, um, you know, it was just like two requests, one of which was like, you know, keep my people in the loop. And then you got to make Viola Davis play my mom. <gasps> I mean, that's like not a small order, by the way. No. And Ben was like. Cool. Okay. She's not even a cool. real part of the movie yet, but okay. <laughs> that kind right, of thing. Right. Let me get on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you also so, want to make sure that proper attention was played to George Raveling and- And Howard um, White. And Howard White, yeah. yeah. That's right. The Marlon Wayans. And Chris Tucker. And Chris Tucker, yeah. So he hadn't read the script. Ben just sort of pitched what the story was and, and said it was I like- think- Go ahead. Then I think wanted to know that like Michael, you know, that, that, that this happened, right? Like that this was, this was the, the energy, the ethos of what had happened in terms of the signing at Nike and that we as a team weren't going to make a movie that had no accuracy to it. And so that was, I think that was what he wanted to get out of it. And from what I understand, like Ben actually had Michael's cell phone number because they had met probably in Las Vegas or at some point in their lives. So he literally reached out to him directly. Good poker players. Um, and and Ben was really good from what it sounds like of providing Michael updates throughout the post process and giving him <laughs> opportunities to watch the film. And, and, you know, Michael just, you know, was like, do your thing, man. It's all good. And really like trusted him. Yeah. It was a really, we're very, we're very grateful and I don't want to use the word lucky, but lucky, if that makes sense, that he, I mean, when you have someone such as Ben and obviously a very talented and powerful director and producer and writer, like multi hyphenate, I think Michael is like, or I assume he would be like, you're not going to fuck me. Yes, you know? totally. That is not the intention of this at all. And yeah. I think ultimately, you know, in in his own way, Michael Jordan's an artist, right? Athletes are artists, uh, you know, artists are athletes. Like I, people want to support each other. And, you know, clearly I think when, when, when Ben shows up at Michael's golf course and gives him the reason that he feels like this is a movie to make and the, ode that, you know, he wants to pay to, to Dolores Jordan, I think ultimately people want to support each other. You know, I think so much of what happens in this business that kind of sometimes gets lost in translation is that, you know, artists are communicating through business-minded people. <laughs> and and so like that sometimes things get lost in translation for different reasons. And I think that when you're able to kind of cut through that and you're able to have a conversation artist to artist, which is what Ben and Michael had, it helps get it done. And by the way, that's very symbolic of the movie. 
of Sonny going and meeting directly with the Jordans in, in with Dolores. Totally. I mean, it's like art imitating life. I love that. Right. And the other thing you th- too, to think about with this movie, like this wasn't a movie that was taken out as like a package through an agency. This was a movie that was taken out through two sports foundation companies in Mandalay and in Skydance Sports and went directly to a filmmaker. There were, as Jordan said, every touch point of this movie was actually done through a direct personal relationship from beginning to end. Every single one. Yes. And so like, and by the way, now that we're talking about it, it's like you really realize every single aspect, right, was done that way. So nothing was ever lost in translation, which is also part of the reason that this happened so quickly. Because like sometimes with these biopics, right, like these great biopics come out into the world, like the Jim Henson, a lot of these biopics that never got made because they're spec scripts that never are able to convince the talent that they're about or the families that are related to the talent that it's a worthwhile artistic endeavor. Was Ben ever like, oh, I don't want to touch this because you don't formally have have Jordan's. His, I You know what I'm getting I know what you're going yeah, yeah. for. So his, his thing the whole time was, so I think, you know, this is a very sort of obviously left of center biopic in the sense that it's not Michael's story, it's Sonny's story. And we're very, you know, Sonny is an incredible person. And unfortunately for Sonny, he's been really removed from the history of Nike until this story, until his 30 for 30. And, you know, Ben's whole ethos from the first day we met him was like, as long as you have Sonny's rights, let me deal with Jordan. But for Sonny, you know, I think we were able to reach him directly because his whole thing, and and it wasn't about discrediting, you know, Nike or anything that they've done. He He always talks about how he just wants his truth told, which was that he was really part of this. That, and, you know, he's not part of, right now, if you look at, Shoe Dog, his name's not mentioned in it. And if you look at The Last Dance, he his interviews weren't included in it. And he's not looking for those things to be rewritten, but he was looking for just validation, which I think all any of us, which is a very human thing to want, and especially for the incredible thing that he did of really going out of his way to make us understand why Michael was so great. And when when you know it, we see in the film how how much effort it took for yeah. for people to take him seriously. Totally. So, and obviously, once he did, yeah, and once once they paid attention, but it took a long, it took a lot of effort for him to get their attention. So, I think it was just about ensuring we had Sunny on board, and Sunny, as long as it was going to be done with making him look like he was telling the truth, which he obviously is. And uh, by the way, when we showed Nike the film, they loved it. They loved the film. So you guys went into the filming without Nike's, like, partnership. 
And and it's just because that's public domain. Any like Nike is just a public domain. It's all fair thing. use. Yeah, fair use. Okay. The yeah. And you're you have Sonny's rights, and you're telling the story from Sonny's perspective. You guys chose not to approach Nike before production, right? We wanted this story to be completely influenced free by any outside source, and to stick with the Sonny's point of view. I mean, they must have gotten wind of it. Did they like reach out to you? Were they like, hey guys, what's going on with this? Here's what I think we can say about that was that that did happen. Yep. And at the right time, the decision was made to screen the film for them. Okay. And Ben screened the film for them and the response was great. Is it me who believes in Michael, his name? Or am I just a healthy reflection of who he is and what he believes about himself? Hmm? Isn't that why you came to my home? Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What is wrong with Nike? Nike is a damn jogging company. Man, black people don't jog. You ain't gonna catch no black person running 26 miles for no damn reason. Then the cops might pull it over think you done stole something. In terms of casting and your crew, it's so top notch. Talk to me about the casting of like Bateman and Tucker and Marlon Wayans. So Mary Vernu and Lindsay Graham came on to cast the movie. And, uh, you know, I, I will say, uh, you know, it was great because Ben obviously had a relationship with them. And I've done a lot of movies with Mary and Lindsay and they're phenomenal casting directors. Um, but, you know, when you go out with the, you know, obviously like, you know, Jordan had referenced like, you know, Michael uh, Jordan told Ben that he had to get Viola Davis to play his mom. That had to happen. But then in regards to all of these other actors, I mean, I think Ben has talked about it a lot in different interviews. He's been looking to work with Chris Tucker for 20 years. Cool. And once he yeah. knew that Howard White was going to be a pivotal part of this movie, um, and that was something that Michael spoke to him about as well, that, you know, Howard, uh, he, he wanted to, he wanted Chris Tucker. Like, I don't think there was anybody else. I think it was literally Chris Tucker. Ben didn't make a ton of offers for any of these roles, you know, um, on a few roles, there was maybe one other person before someone got cast. For instance, Messina day one had that role. Um, Viola did, you know, it, we never went to anybody else. Chris Tucker never went to anybody else, but funnily enough. And I don't know if you knew this, Originally, Matt was going to play Phil and D and Ben was going to play Sonny. Stop. And yeah. No way. Yeah. And then yeah. and then as they were like assessing and getting more and more towards the point where we were going to sell the project, Ben was just like, I don't think I can. Right. I, I think they came to realize that it would be too much of an endeavor. And it was. I mean, you know, listen, if he wanted to do it, of course we would have signed up for anything. But, you know, it's now I can't unsee it, I think is sort of the. Um, well, Phil, I mean, 
just Sonny has to carry, I mean, really has to carry so many of these. To do double duty is so, so difficult. And not that Ben yeah, hasn't it done it been, before, it but like difficult. it's, it is a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, Matt worked every day. I mean, I think he had maybe one day that he didn't work. Oh my God. So That's incredible. That is great. And was it just sort of like a mutual, like, or did Ben sort of have to twist Matt's arm to like make that switch? Or was it kind of like, yeah, this makes sense. You know, I honestly, I don't know the, I don't know the lineage of how it happened. Literally one day was just kind of like, oh, and this is happening. And we're like, okay. <laughs> but it also felt right. You know what? No, I think. Who are you? Know, it, did, it did feel right. It I did guess feel the very, more they dug yeah. into the more they dug into it, the more they realized this actually probably makes more sense. And the warmth that Matt has in that role is sort of undeniable. He's so good. But, you know, it's funny. I saw a picture of Sonny Vaccaro. I mean, he looks not like in real life. They don't look anything alike. I mean, it's like an amazing performance. But, you know, like if you're trying to like match. Yeah. But I actually think that's like I love that about Ben's direction. It was just like who's going to like do justice to the spirit of these characters. It doesn't necessarily matter that like they don't have the same hair color or whatever, you know? A hundred percent. And that's also, I think like, you know, if you talk to, if you hear about the whole process of Argo and like, you know, what, what, what stayed, what was exactly the same in Argo and what wasn't exactly the same. Argo. I think for Ben and he kept, he said this to us multiple times in our first meeting with him. He said, it's just about what makes the best story. And the essence of what the movie is and making sure that we're reflecting the essence of what the movie is based upon what actually happened and the environment, right? I think that's like one of the things like they definitely captured the essence of what Nike was like back then in a way from what we were told by the people that saw the movie was very spot on. And so I think like that's one of the things that Ben brings to his filmmaking is it's it's really about making sure that the essence of the characters and the essence of the story is reflective of that time period. But does it mean that you actually have to cast the person that looks exactly like the real person or like it's a documentary and that you're following everything ha that happened to a T? Maybe not, because maybe that doesn't create the best enjoyable movie for an audience. Well, it's so funny you mentioned that because I noticed like a real ease and looseness to the to the shooting, even in the editing. Like there was one scene at a bar that's like it's sunny. And I think the Marlon Wayans character and, and Marlon Wayans yeah. and just the, the cutting. Yeah. And there's like a rack focus that like goes out of focus for a second. And like the coverage is like from the back and then it's from the front. And it's like. And it doesn't matter. It's like it's you understand the essence of their relationship and the core of it. And it's like Fincher would never do that. Like Fincher would just be like, we're doing this a hundred times until it's like exactly matched and like da-da-da-da. And I was just like, he's a different filmmaker. He's a filmmaker who's all about like the performance and the essence and the story and the emotion of it. And I Yeah. It's only in talking about it with you guys that I'm like, I really ap appreciate that, you know? And the music, like, and the way he creates the audio landscape of the movie. By the way, that scene with George Raveling, I mean, with Marlon Wayans, that was day one. Oh, my God. Photography. Oh, my God. So that was the yeah. first day. Actually, not only first day, but that was the first half of the day. <laughs> because the second half of the day, we were back at the office park in Santa Monica. Oh so that was God. We shot in that was at the that was at the smokehouse in Burbank. Oh and then my we drove god! All the way five back. hours. No way. Five hours, and then we were then we drove at lunch. We had lunch, wrapped at lunch, and then went back to Santa Monica. Oh my god! And started in the office. 
that stuff just like boggles my mind. It's like the things we do. It's like you shot that scene in a couple hours. You went and had lunch. You packed up your entire cast and crew and like drove probably over an hour back to Santa Monica to shoot the second half of the day. And again, I love that. No fuss, no That's bus. what happened. That was, that was the first Yeah. <laughs> and there's some good reason you did it. I know. Like there's some scheduling reason or like you could only get the location that day or whatever that was. But it's just, I'm always like, oh God, the things we do. And also the other thing you have to keep in mind about the casting process too, is when you're working with a director like Ben, who's also an actor and who knows a lot of these people and they're all in that same community, like a lot of times it's sometimes just the director calling the actor up because they happen to have their cell phone number from some other previous, you know, meeting or event or whatever. And Hey, do you want to come do this? Totally. That happens too. And it, it can be that easy. Another thing I read was that the phone calls happened live. Yeah. The Messina and Sunny calls were like real calls. Were you filming both sides at the same time? Yeah. Okay. So you'd be shooting multiple camera crews on both those. Oh my God, that's so cool. Different parts. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's Um, so rare we get to do that, right? Because of like actor availability or you don't have the money to shoot like two full crews at once. So you can't ever do that. I mean, that is so rare and special you know it in terms of like the full crew of it all we were very lucky in the sense that like the location as to where it was they weren't far from each other you know what i mean like in reality so yes you needed separate operators and sound people but like it was the same crew essentially if that makes yes, sense so yes. it wasn't like we needed double the amount of people and it really wasn't extravagant so like was ben just watching both monitors as that was happening like he would just be sitting and watching two scenes happening at once and just yeah making sure okay yeah and i can't remember exactly sometimes he went back and and forth to the rooms too and had his own monitor and i can't remember if like they would actually record both scenes at the same time if that makes sense Uh, like i can't remember if like they you know maybe they did footage for chris and like they they did it live so and and the phone calls were really connected but i can't remember if they were actually covering shooting both at the same time that i can't remember um i think they were though because some of those reactions, like when Matt says, you know, when Chris is yelling at him, he goes like, yeah, David Falk. Like when someone walks behind him, like that was totally, it was so authentic, so ad-libbed. And like Messina in those scenes, like he is just, I, I, the first time I saw it, I'm like crying laughing. I like and, love him so much. He is like, he's such a good, he's so good. But even, but it was for every phone call, the Viola phone call with Matt, you know, the phone call when Howard's on the phone with Sonny, when he hears that Adidas makes the counter that matches theirs, yeah. you know, all of those calls were live, real calls, it, you know, so it really brought this incredibly genuine aspect to it that we haven't seen before. I love that so much. It's so cool. Um, okay. So you, you guys have like this incredible shoot, any like other little anecdotes from shoot that like stuck out or felt like unexpected or a little bit wild, or did it just sort of, was it actually as just smooth as silk as, as it sounded? I mean, it was very smooth. I definitely think the day that like we all were, you know, 
that's the moment in the movie where you all really feel something in a, in a big way um, is, you know, Matt's speech in the conference room. And when Matt did that, everybody was like, people were in tears. Like, you know, was that was, you knew that you had something really special when Matt is sunny did that speech. Yes. And I also think that the movie really kind of like, you know, it is, it is Sonny's story. It was Sonny's life rights, right? But when you watch the movie, like you really feel the poignancy, obviously of Dolores Jordan and of Phil Knight and of all of these other characters, they all have their own. And it doesn't feel like just one person's film. That was a very conscious decision made on behalf of the, the filmmakers. I think as an actor, you're always thinking about that, right? Like every character, like what's what's their motivation? Like what what why are they doing this? And I find that like great directors are often also great actors because they think that way. It's also about great actors wanting to spend more time with each other off camera when they're in the making of a movie to kind of talk more about their own backstories. They understand their own motivations. An actor was just telling me this yesterday how that that's something too that the actor has to also take on, the initiative on outside of like yes. you know them getting the direction from the director so when they're acting opposite another actor like they genuinely understand where they're both coming from and their own individual backstory as as their characters 100 uh, percent, i totally and, agree and, I, and great actors spend the time to do that you're right if you're just showing up on the clock a lot of times that's lost a little bit and you can feel that chemistry isn't there or that comfort or whatever. The one other thing I'll say too, you know, to go back to to Alex, I mean, Alex is obviously he's a brilliant writer. And I think we all know all this stuff starts with the writers. Without the writer, there's there's nothing. There's no screenplay. There's nothing for Jordan and I and Peter to get excited about. There's nothing for ben Matt to get excited about. So it's like, it all starts with the writer. And Alex is you know, has such an amazing energy, has such a love for life. And he is a massive sports fan, like literally, and he'll travel wherever, but a big sports games. And so like, it was so like Jordan said at the very beginning of this conversation, when you read the script, it was so the feeling of it was so contagious for his passion for the sport and for the story that that's a part of that sport. And he's obviously from Chicago and growing up with Jordans and being a fan of Michael Jordan that like <clears throat> it starts from the writer and we all just have to, as a community, we all have to remember that we have no jobs without the writers. Actors have no jobs without the writers. Directors have no jobs without the writer and neither does DPs, costume designers, cinematographers, editors, producers, studio executives, anything. And it stems from like the energy of that person and you, hopefully, you know, you get a chance to meet Alex. Like you, you see that you feel, that. and it came through in the script and Matt really, you know, Matt Damon did a really good job of, of talking about that when he went out, you know, and did press on the movie and, and talked all about how he felt the first time he read the script. I grew up with a writer in my household and my stepdad was a writer, writer, director, and I would just see him pace around the house endlessly for months and months, like laboring over a script and researching a script. And, you know, he wrote and directed Major League and like he grew up loving like the Cleveland. I Indian. loved Major League. Okay. Right. And like, I love Major, Major League was shot in Baltimore. The second this, Major League, Major League two, 2 was shot, shot in Baltimore. A hundred percent. In my neighborhood. Oh my God. Well, I was there for several weeks. Oh my God. And David, the Robinson family from Baltimore were the producers at Morgan Creek. Yes. Yes. And I knew the Robinsons very well. Oh, David. So, and, yeah. so anyways, the first one was shot in Milwaukee. 
hockey. And like my dad was like a diehard Indians fan. And like you feel that when watching that movie, you understand like the the tragedy of like the Cleveland Indians never doing well and like how well he knew baseball and like how much he loved it. And like the labor of the writer is just like, you're right. It all comes from that. And they work so, so hard. Great stuff comes from like such intense research and work and love and, you know, pain and all of it. So I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Jason, I love that. you. Wait, so repeat that. So was your, which one of your My family stepdad, members? David Ward, wrote and oh, directed Ward, yeah. Major League, created it, you know. But he was like, he was, you know, his first movie or this, his second movie was The Sting. He wrote, he won an Academy Award when he was 27 years old. I mean, he was incredible. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. Oh my gosh. So, um, you know, I grew up around that. And so I do, I do understand the, the plight of a writer, man. You're Michael Jordan, and your story is going to make us want to fly. Okay, so guys, we wrap. The edit is basically what it is. You said it like came out pretty like fully formed. It was insane. Like the release, it felt like a Cinderella story through and through, and just like people love the movie so much. I can't even believe it. I feel like your journey is still going with this film. I mean, I was the journey of South by to all the screenings. I mean, Jordan, I got to go to all these screenings, like New York, the LA, that premiere in LA for Jordan and I to have our families all there was incredible. It was just amazing. You know, and I think for both. I also will say, I mean, Jordan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one of the things that we took the most pride out of this experience was honestly seeing it happen for Alex. Like, I think that that was something that we, you know, like that we, that we, uh, and he always talks about like how, you know, Peter and us, we, we said like, we'd get it. We would actually get this made. And it's like, yeah, you know, we actually did. And the fact that it happened so quickly. Yeah. It's pretty unbelievable. And, you know, when we saw the cut last September, the question was like, do we put it out this year? It's like, no way. We can't, we can't put it out. That's insane. And, you know, I think we all knew, like, we had something really special on our hands. And, you know, you want to set it up in the best way possible. And, you know, South by just felt like the right audience. And, like you said, it still feels like it's still going. And I think that's what's incredible about the way and and have to say, like, Amazon has been incredible partners on this. And they're especially, you know, when it comes to their marketing and publicity team, I mean, the god Sue Kroll that she is, just really creating the conversation around this and not letting it drag. And I think we're lucky in the sense that I don't think either of us feel like it's over. I think for us, we think this is going to hopefully last a long time. And even if it doesn't, it's been the ride of a lifetime. And we're very grateful for the experience. And, you know, to be compared to films like Jerry Maguire, like, which is a film that like, I, whenever it's on TV, will always watch it hopefully for another generation, they'll want to do the same. And I think that's all you can ask for. And the fact that the movie got such an incredible theatrical worldwide release by both, you know, MGM and then Warner Brothers internationally. And yeah, then it went on Prime. So you had all the theatrical feedback and now you go on Twitter and you see all the feedback on Twitter from people that are watching it on Prime. And yeah, 
everybody involved. And also like Eric Lomas, who was a big champion of supporting this movie being theatrical. And unfortunately he, he passed away recently, but yeah. he's Jordan. I've known Eric for a very long time, way before this movie. And just, you know, I'll, I don't think we'll ever forget, like you sitting in these meetings with him, you know, when they told us in December that they were going to go wide globally, global theatrical release and just the passion that Eric had for this movie and that Bruno Sue had for the movie. Like cool. Every meeting, everyone, every meeting, every meeting we were in, it was their excitement for it is incredible. It's what you want. Yeah. It's what you want every studio partner to be. Totally. And then for us to see our last thing I'll say is for us to see our boss, Peter, who's been in the movie business for such a long time and how proud he was mm. of this project and you know of us and to be affiliated with it and that Mandalay was a part of it. You know, that's also, you know, for Jordan and I working with him, it's a great feeling when your boss is really proud of something yeah. that you're part of, that the company's a part of. And so that brought a lot of joy too. Oh, totally. I It's amazing. It's amazing. I can't imagine how, how happy he is. Um, well, guys, this was such a fun ride. Thank you for like just taking the time. It, I love this so much. I love talking to you guys. You guys are great storytellers. Good to talk to you too. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. So, Bex, what a story. I mean, I have to tell you, I went to see Air in the movie theaters with my whole family. And I'm a huge, you know, I'm a child of the 80s. I love the movie, but, you know, I will say that I have rarely seen my husband respond to something mm. as passionately as he did to this. And I think it was really like there is such a spirit of nostalgia to the film and like that time in the 80s and the music and just the feeling and seeing these young superstars emerge and seeing Jordan just like take over basketball. It really is one of the best movies he's seen in years. And I really do think it's, it's like, it really is such a an excellent film and amazing performances. And just Ben Affleck is just becoming a better and better filmmaker. I think. I agree. And I think there's a trickiness when you make a movie about a real person who is still alive. And again, like they said multiple times, you know, this is Sonny's movie. This isn't Jordan's movie. And so I think that makes it, you know, somewhat easier, but also a little bit harder because you have to really establish who this guy was in terms of the world that people know and the characters that people know. And I think this movie does such a good job of that, of very quickly setting this character up in the context of all these other characters and letting you know that this is going to be this man's story and understanding the impact that everything that happens in this movie is going to have um, it's pretty incredible. And I really do think this movie is going to have a really long life and people are going to be talking about this for years to come. Like, you know, my parents are watching it. it, it just, it's just one of those movies, rare movies that in this day and age really does cross over to so many different types of audiences. Well, it's funny, you know, um, Jordan mentioned Jerry Maguire in, uh, in the interview. Mm -hmm. I love that comparison, not only because I, like, I see the you know similarities but also because Jerry Maguire is a movie that if it's on TBS or whatever if you still have cable or whatever you will just sit and watch that right like it's a movie that's like inherently watchable there's so many great characters in it Tom Cruise is not the only great thing about it there's Cuba Gooding Jr. and there's you know the little boy and Renee Zellweger gives a great turn and 
this is similar, that it feels like watchable, right? You're going to like settle in for Chris Tucker's performance or Viola Davis's performance or the famous scene that Matt Damon did when he convinces Jordan to sign with Nike. And I think so good. And I feel like, yeah, that's just one you're going to throw on and it's going to sort of join the ranks of those films that you just watch over and over again. And those movies are getting harder and harder to make because they're risky. You don't know if they're going to work or not because they're not based on other pre-established IP, you know? And so I hope, I just, I'm hopeful. I feel like we're returning to a time where people are like, well, let's, what's, what else, what else is going on? What's new? Yeah. And I just feel like there's got to be a return to just like eventizing films that aren't necessarily... Marvel movies, which are amazing. They're so amazing in their own right. But I just believe like this pod is about sort of lauding and supporting all the other movies that are really risky, original pieces of content. And and those deserve, you know, equal attention. So good job. Good job, Jordan. Good job, Jason. Good job, Peter and uh, Ben Affleck. We we tip our hats. Yeah, we, we love this movie here. All right, guys, going to wrap it up going to give um, a shout out to Joyce Chang, loyal listener, Dan Crown, loyal listener. Congratulations to your daughter and her amazing wedding. We love you so much. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Stay gold. Stay gold.